Digital. Student-centred. Creative. Innovation. Imagination. Initiative. Stories that matter. I'm Jo Elliott, and this is Tales of Teaching Online, brought to you by Deakin Learning Futures. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tales of Teaching Online. Um, Today, I'm joined by Nicole Siller, who is a senior lecturer in the Deakin Law School. Um, And Nicole is going to be sharing with us her experience of um, teaching uh, dual cohorts, um, both online students and on-campus students within the one session. Um, So, Nicole, Welcome to the, the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Joe. Um, and let's start with um, a bit of an introduction to, to you. Can you tell us about um, who you are and how you came to be teaching law at Deakin? Oh, yeah, sure. I've been here over five years now. Um, and I was um, working in the U.S. for quite a few years as a prosecutor and then got an opportunity to do a, a Ph.D., in the Netherlands. And as I was finishing my PhD, I was actually approached by um, Deakin to come and teach criminal law here in Australia. And so my partner and I thought it would be a great adventure. And now here we are. (laughs) Well, we're very glad here at Deakin that you decided to include us on, on your adventure. I think you're a great asset to the law school. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so in, in one of your, your first year units, you're using Zoom to connect online students into your on-campus class. What made you decide to do that and how has it gone so far? Yeah, I wish I could say that I there was a lot of thought that went into what made me decide to do it. I think it was, that's how it was set up. Um, and then I would have had the opportunity if I felt uncomfortable with that um, to actually divide, separate them out. But I told my director of teaching, let's just give it a go for a couple of weeks. And as, if it's working, then I'll just keep going with it. Um, and I think so far so good. We're in week three and the the two cohorts seem to be working um, cohesively together. So I think I'll, I'll run with it for the rest of the trimester. And the classes are very interactive. Um, I actually sat in on um, one of Nicole's classes last week and um, learned a little bit about criminal law myself. Um, But I was really um, struck by how interactive the class was. So you're asking lots of questions to students and there's lots of discussion back and forth between you and and the students on different questions, different aspects of the law. Um, So how... Can you tell us more about that, how you manage it? Um, And in particular, how do you involve both the online and on-campus students in that discussion aspect? Yeah, sure. So I think my unit was one of the first to go through a cloud-first model in terms of design. It was like the, I think it might have been the guinea pig, the first guinea pig, um, at least in the Faculty of Business and Law. And so I had the opportunity to take some time to think about how I could organize the sessions um, that I had in the classroom um, in a way that would um, really allow the students to test their ability to apply the knowledge that they had learned from hopefully doing the readings and the preparation. Um, And what I thought would be the most effective is when I was designing the unit in the Cloud First model is really dividing all of the topics 
um, so decide what kind of my, my big question was that I wanted students to get or understand for the week and then incrementally take them through that material and do it in a way where I tell the students right from the beginning that the classroom sessions, whether it be the class that they have or the seminar they have, are interactive and interactive in different ways, and that the expectation is that they will be prepared. So they will have completed all of the steps that I have laid out for them in the unit site. So I divide each week um, into like anywhere from six to 10 different pages um, worth of content. So that can include readings, that can include videos, that even can include um, hypothetical scenarios that they have to actually already kind of work through. And then what I say to them is, the class is going to be step, let's say, five of the 10 for that week. So I expect that you have done all of the work in steps one to four. And so when we get to step five, I'll be adding additional information. So knowledge that you'll have to be able to obviously um, take in, but we'll also be engaging in some application, um, some discussion about all of the content from steps one to step five to make sure that we are continually evolving in our understanding of the concepts, the fundamental concepts that exist in criminal law. And so I think putting that expectation out to students right from the beginning about the level of preparation that's expected. Um, also how classes will run. So I actually say in my cloud site that I will be calling on you. We will be talking about this stuff. We will be doing these things and tell them in my step in my unit site, what they can expect from that classroom session. I think that might also maybe make them feel a bit more confident or eager to participate. Um, I try to also make it fun and interesting. And I think it's easier for me to do than maybe a lot of other educators because I have such an interesting topic like criminal law. And how I try to incorporate the cloud students, because it is quite difficult to do that when you're trying to have a conversation or a discussion or I do kind of a Socratic method teaching, I would say Socratic light um, teaching method in the classroom is just by acknowledging their existence and their presence, I think that makes a huge difference. So a lot of times I'll try to say like, oh, cloud students, I want you to think about this as well, or please like type something in the chat so I can make sure that my cloudies are on the same page. When I start every um, session that's uh, the classroom session, I always start by, by um before like I start class, I ask the students that are logged in, can you hear me? Can you see the slides? Um, do you have any questions about what happened last week before you know the class starts? And um, the other thing I do, because there's a lot of interesting conversation that happens in the classroom, and I think that's one of the best ways for students to learn is to learn from one another, whether that be because someone, a student has made a mistake or a mischaracterization and we can learn from that or because they've actually been able to understand a concept and break it down or describe it in a way that might be more attainable to their peers is that I make sure that when a student does say something, they either have a microphone um, or if I can't get to them in time or, or the conversation is just kind of flowing so well and so organically that I'll always repeat what the student has said so that the cloud students are just as um, involved and able to participate um, themselves. And the other thing that I try to say to the cloud students is, yeah, you're a core holder as well. So you have a discussion board or you have a chat function that's happening while class is happening. That doesn't mean that you can't use it to talk to one another as well. If you guys have questions, you can talk to each other about what's happening or what students are saying or doing um, 
what you're hearing and feed off of that and feed off of each other. And I think you you did that really effectively, certainly in the class that I sat in. And I particularly liked the fact that you were, although you were on your own, um, you were constantly looking at the chat in your laptop and you were referring to the cloud students who were putting in um, their their responses and their suggestions by name. So it was it was creating seemed to create that extra connection between the students on campus and um, the online students as well. They weren't just the cloud students, they were Nicole, the cloud student, for for example. Um, and with repeating things um, when a student was speaking off microphone, I, um, I found it, um, we know that often students, and remembering that these are, are first years, they often um, struggle to think about how this, how they would actually be as a professional. So I loved that when you were repeating um, students' responses and students' questions, um, you were referring to how you were reframing it in more loyally language, uh, as you put it. So they were starting to see, okay, this is who I might be as a as a graduate, as a working lawyer, um, starting to be able to to form those arguments um, in a, a professional manner. Yeah, I do that. Um, it's exa it's exactly why I do it because I want them to see the difference, even though the content might be the same. The delivery is almost equally important in law, and that's also why I have some rules that a lot of other educators don't have. Like, for example, students are required. Um, to show up on time, otherwise they're not um, allowed in. And I say, when I say on time, I start my class at five minutes past um, because I say you can't come to court late. So why would you come to my classroom late? Um, I require that students use formal titles and all written correspondence. And I explain to them, it's not a hierarchy, hierarchy thing and that I think that I'm so many steps above. And in class, I want you to call me Nicole and I want us to have that open dialogue, but I want you to think about the way in which we have to act when we are engaging with clients and with opposing counsel or with the courts. It's a much more formal process and formal system. So we need to already start practicing that now um, so that it's not so overwhelming um, when they graduate. And I think the students um, really seem to to thrive on that and take that in in their stride as well because I mean the class I saw was was week two and they were perfectly on board with the fact that starts at five past and if I am not in the class and I would say the majority of them were there um, before the before the hour let alone before five past yeah much um, earlier <laughs> yes That's they, right. they were aware that this is the way we do things they were prepared they they were prepared to um to engage they'd read the cases so they'd obviously really picked up on um your your discussion of the expectations and the structure of the the week the scaffolding of that that experience for them so obviously something they thrive on. Yeah. And I think something that I really, I mean, in my own, in my personal life, like I love playing games, um, particularly board games, but I love that idea of solving problems or solving, you know, uh, coming to an understanding of, of something. And I think the introduction of gamification in education can be a very, very powerful tool. Um, and while I don't have... 
the technology, the technological skills that I would like to, to do something like that. I do have practical experience being a prosecutor and knowing what an autopsy report would look like, knowing what a witness statement would look like, how a detective would phrase or talk about certain things. And so the way that I've tried to engage with the students to get them to want to learn is really by saying every week we've got a crime that's happened. So I want you to take off your student hat and you are all intern prosecutors or you are all working at the police department and we've got to figure out, we we know what happened based on these witness statements, these autopsy reports, whatever that week's evidence looks like, we have a set of facts But our job as lawyers is to be able to characterize those facts pursuant to the law, and that will get us right to the result and try to infuse some of those gamification principles to get them eager to be able to solve the case. But in solving the case where they have to do all of this work, um, acquiring all this knowledge, all of this understanding to be able to decide, was that a murder or was that only manslaughter? What form of assault was that? should this person even be held criminally responsible given all of these other things took place? And I think being able to to frame the work that they do in that way has been much more interesting to them um, than to just deliver, here's what this crime is, here's what that crime is, and you just have to learn it. Yeah, I think creating that real relevance and buy-in so they can see the the point and the the real world applications of of digging through what is really some quite complex uh, material is is fantastic. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today to share your um, your experiences of um, using Zoom to um, to connect your your cohorts. Um, I was wondering, is there any advice or any insights you'd um, like to share with other staff who might be considering doing this? kind of dual delivery of online and on-campus students at, at the same time? Yeah, I would, I would, I guess, I would say if you are given the opportunity to separate them, I think that is the better way to do it because you can tailor um, exercises a bit better for the online cohort. And I also think that this sort of dual delivery is really only doable when you have a smaller cohort. So I this unit that at, at present, the T1 offering is only about 200, 220 students. And it feels quite manageable given how many students attend um, both online and in person. But the T2 offering, for example, I think it's close to 700, six, between six and 700 students. And I'm not, I don't feel confident um, that it would be um, an avenue that's appropriate if for just one person both delivering the content and engaging with the students as well as trying to traverse the discussion board. I think, and this is something that my colleague and I have discussed, is that for that larger offering, it would be great if we could have one person just on the chat while the other person is um, delivering the content, And those, but those two are working kind of symbiotically um, together. So I think that would be my insight is really think about how many students you have, um, how engaged um, you can make the cohorts if it's um, if you're going to do that dual delivery, and if if you're not going to be able to, you know, look at the chat function while you're delivering the content, but you're not given the opportunity to run separate sessions, then perhaps getting someone just to sit in front of the chat feature and answer those questions so that those students feel included, um, that could be a great alternative. 
I think that's that's excellent advice. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and I uh, look forward to hearing about how the, the new approach for, for T2 goes. Thanks. Thanks, Joe.